I'm Sadia Tariq and you're listening to Dhani the podcast. As part of our special COVID series, here is another podcast with Dr. Habib. In this episode, Dr. Habib speaks about our immunity or immune functions and how different food groups help us boost and build our immunity functions. This is a very useful conversation especially in these challenging times of COVID-19. Do give this a listen and don't forget to give us a comment, rating or suggestion. Thank you. Dr. Habib, um welcome back to Dhani and absolutely so kind of you to uh, keep us updated on COVID-19. Um the last conversation that we had was a big overview like an umbrella uh of a lot of things and you you spoke about a lot of things um and if we were to go um deep into how to build up immunity um what can you share with us so what we're going to do is try to talk about um how to combat covid from a proactive way uh through our lifestyle and today i want to focus in on the nutrition and nutrients maybe a little bit of supplements uh maybe take even a few questions i have some uh, live instagram going on right now live feed so maybe we can get some interesting questions so uh the th- the main categories i want to talk about are in the antioxidant family the flavonoids the carotenoids turmeric being one of them and some other vitamins which are synergistic like vitamin d i think that um let me give you an update on the corona uh, as it stands with the united states we haven't reached our peak we're still going up uh certain states are ahead of the, ahead in terms of the numbers of positive tests and the number of icu admissions and deaths have now approached 1000 so washington state uh, was the first um you know bu- uh, uh, a hot uh, pocket and then new york is really being hit quite hard now and i believe um why this peak is such an important thing and they haven't reached their peak yet the icus are bursting at the seam right now so they're really looking at plan b of opening up other hospital systems to accommodate the 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 intensive patients in the icu and ventilators so the idea is that uh, the exposure needs to still needs to be um addressed in a serious manner and so right now what uh, nationally there is a consensus but individual states are given the autonomy to make their own rules through their governor and their mayor and so for example in my area DC Maryland and Virginia the mayors and the and the governors have agreed that all non-essential business should pretty much shut down with the exception of pharmacies doctors offices essential things like banks and groceries and so you know we're medical we're busy we're still seeing patients and we want to give you advice on real life uh, uh, advice so staying a safe distance from people who are coughing if everybody wore masks we wouldn't have this dilemma right now but we have a national shortage on masks so the direct uh, health line providers are going to get those as you would expect including protective gear now so the way is the safe distancing and absolutely wash your hands and in between you know when i'm going to the grocery and then coming back you have to be attentive to the little things like where did my hands just come from where are they going now on my car door handle or on my steering wheel mm-hmm. when am i going to wash my hands mm-hmm. and for sure the thing you can definitely do is when you enter your house just go straight and wash your hands so that well, you leave the outside world outside and you can then focus in uh, on being fairly safe about being indoors so avoidance sure. and safe distancing and washing hands are vital and today we're going to talk more about food and nutrition mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Okay, so as far as um, the boosting the immune system, you know, don't overlook the basics that I had mentioned, and we'll continue on the series of talking about don't interrupt your sleep and stress. This is a very stressful time. These will definitely impact the immune system. In fact, we have even enough evidence that the brain is connected to the uh, gut, and that's where the immune system is upregulated or downregulated. And then don't put bad foods into your body. That's an obvious statement, especially in this day and age, uh, at this time, because processed foods stifle the good bacteria. They promote the bad bacteria. They set off uh, signals which are inflammatory. You don't need that when you have COVID attacking your lungs with an inflammatory process. And so just to, uh, the, just to make it relevant, why we're talking about the immune system is for that 80% of the people that get exposed to the COVID won't be aware of symptoms. They'll be so mild. They won't know what it was. Just, hey, I have a headache. Uh, I was really had an off day yesterday. Of the 20% that kind of feel it, it could be anywhere from a mild cold, runny nose, cough, or it could be flu-like. But only a very small fraction, mm -hmm. maybe 0.5% of a percent. That means less than 1% may actually be the one that gets a respiratory insult with severe inflammation. And, so, uh, and that inflammation could be uh, at a high level that warrants uh, intubation and mechanical ventilation support. And uh, because sure. that inflammation is, uh, is going to be critical. So the question is, you know, why go through all this for just such a small number? Because that small number is guaranteed to occupy an ICU bed, is guaranteed to almost need intubation and support until the body recovers, until the virus, you know, leaves the body. So what happens is that that incubation period of, say, two weeks or more is when the virus is multiplying. So if you can start off in a good position of having high levels of the nutrients that we're going to talk about, then maybe you won't allow that virus to multiply. Because by the time you get the symptoms two weeks after the incubation or three weeks, for some people, it may be self-limiting, like a, you know body aches, uh, runny nose, flu-like. But for some people, it may be more serious. And so it's better to kind of prevent it in the first place by avoiding things, washing your hands, and should the virus come in, have a strong enough defense system not to allow the virus to replicate, not to multiply. The most important thing is you eat a proper meal, right? The food, the whole food cannot be matched with any vitamin, any supplementation. Food groups rich in color, the whole spectrum, the red, the yellow, the green, the purple, that's a very good way to look at it. And, you know, and that, uh, that, for example, leafy vegetable, you have deep green, you have red vegetable, uh, the red leaves, I should say. So having a very colorful diet will ensure that you have a diverse range of different antioxidants. So antioxidants are in different groups, different families, you know, the carotenoid family, the flavonoid family. There are different categories. So the color, the diversity will give you that range. The flavonoids and the perfect example would be, say, the turmeric the curcuminoid. And we used to believe that curcumin is a powerful anti-inflammatory, and it really is. It's been documented to reduce HSCRP and inflammatory marker. But now we're finding that the whole turmeric has global benefits. So let me try to break it down. Because if you take the whole turmeric, what you're getting is, is the full spectrum of the entire flavonoid and curcuminoid. Fancy words for saying that you're getting your uh, curcumin, which is very powerful anti-inflammatory, but the different fibers, the different components, which are complex in the uh, turmeric has many other benefits. Not least, the fibers are going to feed the microbes in the gut. 
when the fiber, when the microbes feed off these fibers, much of which are insoluble, they create short-chain fatty acids. So short-chain fatty acids have been documented to reduce inflammation and boost the immune system. So having, you know, colorful things are very, very important. So part of, uh, and so you know about the beta-carotenoids, the lutein, lycopene. So they'll be in your carrots, they'll be in your yellow pepper, they will be in anything colorful, yellow and red. So it's very important to, to get that in, in your food groups. Now, one of the other things that's in those same food groups, like leafy vegetables, and they don't just have to be green, they could be red, some of the uh, leafy vegetables like um, Swiss chard. And then so in them, they also have quercetin. I'm going to spend a little bit of time about quercetin later on. So having whole foods in the carotenoid family, whether it's uh, leafy vegetables of different colors, root vegetables, peppers, and so forth, um, that, that's going to be very, 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 very important. Now, one of the other really major <laughs> benefits of um, things like flavonoids come in the form of berries. And now bear in mind, some of the berries are unfortunately laden with pesticides and chemicals. So try to get organic berries because they're very susceptible. So they need those pesticides. So if you have to go and go out of your way to get the organic versions of strawberries, one of the most uh, uh, heavily polluted uh, uh, fruits, unless you get organic, you know, things like, um, you know, raspberries, blueberries, even grapes. Grapes are one of the nastiest uh, fruits when it comes to chemicals, unless you get organic. But these are also in the family of polyphenols. Polyphenols have two benefits. They are not only an antioxidant, which will boost your immune function. So if you haven't got the message, anything and everything that is an antioxidant will boost your immune function. How do I know? I measure it. And what's the opposite? Anything that's stressful or damages your immune system, like sleep, will result in measurable levels of low antioxidant function. Total are individuals as well. So these uh, substances that uh, polyphenols that come from uh, berries and, and fruits like, uh, like uh, uh, grapes, they encourage the diversity of good bacteria that make short-chain fatty acids. They also convert hydrogen mm. into acetate instead of hydrogen sulfide and methane, which are the byproducts of the less than beneficial bacteria. Now again, going back to the diversity of good bacteria, they will support your immune system. So when you're eating the whole fruit, you're getting the antioxidants, you're getting the polyphenols, they're nourishing the bacteria, just like the whole uh, turmeric. You know, and so increasingly, again, try to get the organic, then you can eat the skin as well. So you clean it and you can, you can just dip it into, say, a yogurt or a dip. Uh, so once you've cleaned it, just dip it and eat it. That's what I've heard people doing. Now, anecdotally, people have said, you know, I have some allergies and I take the whole thing and it's gone. And I believe it. Quercetin is abundant in many, many forms. And uh, we've always known it as a good uh, product for allergies. Uh, because it, uh, it, it's called a mast cell stabilizer. Mast cells release histamine. You know, people with allergies have a lot of runny nose and congestion and mucus. Well, quercetin is known for that. But quercetin actually helps in many other ways. So one of the ways that it helps is in its role of modulating cytokines. Cytokines are mediators for the immune system. So they, they uh, modulate, that means control them in a beneficial manner. The other one actually is very, very interesting. What they do is that as an antioxidant, they scavenge the free radicals. So when they do that, they're actually 
helping you reduce the impacts of oxidation, which also damages the immune system. So you're mitigating, mm. mitigating the damage from oxidation. The other one that was really very interesting goes back to the nitric oxide, that nitric oxide synthase, synthase is necessary to produce nitric oxide, which also is beneficial for the immune system, but it's also very much important for blood flow. So nitric oxide is a vasodilator. So a, a, vas a vasodilator means that it opens up the arteries, which actually can help you lower your blood pressure. That's one of the untold reasons why people's blood pressure start to rise when they're younger, as the blood vessels don't produce, as they produce less and less nitric oxide after they age of 40, then slowly, slowly the blood pressure starts to creep up and they don't realize that it's the lack of nitric oxide, which could be reversed. And that's why going back to your leafy vegetables, that's where the nitrates come from. So it's very important to eat nitrates and green leafy vegetables because not only do you have the nitrates, you've got the folate, you've got minerals, you've got uh, quercetin. That's why whole foods are so good. You know, you can't just have one food group only, have a diverse food. You can't, uh, you can't replace that with any vitamin. There's not a vitamin that mm. can match that, but the synergy can definitely supplement and so we want to give you the science behind that. So quercetin, when you have a bland diet, can be as little as 30 grams. But uh, with a good, rich diet of leafy vegetables, you know, good onions, red onions, uh, grapes, and, and good berries, you can get that up much higher. But when we give supplementation, we give about 200 milligrams because of its impact on, on the lipopolysaccharide. So that is just a big word for saying when you have any hint of a leaky gut, you're going to have the toxins that come from the gut, you know, leaving the gut into the bloodstream. They come in the form of lipopolysaccharide. That then induces inflammation, the inflammation pathway that you might hear about, the COX-2 pathway. And so we want to mitigate that. We want to use, have an anti-inflammatory mechanism, and they're no better than keeping your gut tight. Don't allow leaky gut. So we'll talk about that uh, hopefully as well in this conversation because, you know, don't allow that cascade to be unchecked, but it starts in the gut. That's why it's so, so all these healthy, wholesome food nourishing the bacteria is to protect that gut, to not allow the leaky gut. Even when the lab tests don't confirm leaky gut, it's there in many cases. If you take a good history, you find many reasons why people may have some element of leaky gut that allows opening big enough mm. for things like fungus candida to enter the system, which some people may be aware of, some people not. That's fine. But lipopolysaccharide releases toxins, and the body says, you know what, I'm going to deal with this. And there starts the cascade of immune response. So changing pace, and just to give you that, that, that connection between the immune response, which is good because that's your body trying to protect you. But left unchecked can be a problem. Being exposed to constant influx of lipopolysaccharides and other toxic materials means that your immune system is constantly being revved up. So when you have that small group of people who have been attacked by the COVID virus, it, that virus has a propensity for the lung lining, short-term uh, recruitment of these immune cells, these immune media, these cytokines are good because they're going to make a, uh, make it, they're going to mount a response and attack the virus. However, in a certain group of people that less than 1%, that cascade can go out unchecked. So you want to mitigate that by being able to have enough of these antioxidants in your system so that the virus, once it enters, doesn't linger long enough to replicate and then keep provoking the immune system, then becomes unchecked. And then at that point, even steroids may not be enough to lower the inflammation because that inflammatory process is because of a virus. So using an antibiotic won't work. 
But the mechanism of action of hydrochloroquine, which was originally used for malaria, can be used also for rheumatoid arthritis in the form of um, hydrochloroquine. What it does, it facilitates the influx of zinc, and zinc stops the multiplication of the replication of the virus, therefore by mitigating. But you couldn't give yourself enough zinc when you were being attacked acutely. You couldn't give yourself enough quercetin. You couldn't give yourself enough. That's what's so important that now is the time to be proactive, as I keep saying, because the same thing that boosts your immune system, believe me, will help you keep your inflammation down, which you will be surprised to hear. The inflammation is the number one risk for a heart attack. So whatever you're doing now to be able to combat the COVID is actually your way to prevent heart attacks in the future. Reducing inflammation is one of the best ways to prevent cognitive decline or worse still dementia because inflammation is the root of almost every known bad outcome, whether it's colitis, whether it's arthritis, whether it's heart attacks or dementia, there's inflammation at the root of it. And what's your most powerful anti-inflammatory? It's your immune system. They are also, you know, they may make an impact because half of the people that really suffer from this this late stage, this respiratory failure that uh, that can be uh, the the uh, sequel to this COVID, other people with underlying lung disease, underlying heart disease, underlying diabetes. So if you're a diabetic, the information I get, gave you, you have to take with a pinch of salt. You just cannot go all out and have all these uh, 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 grapes and strawberries and because they're going to make your sugar go up, right? I just gave you that as general information. And so we have to customize that if you're a diabetic, we need to do a little less on the fruit side and do a little bit more on the vegetable side because they, they won't make your mm -hmm. sugars go up. It'll make your lung disease and your asthma better controlled because asthma is not controlled with just an inhaler or medication. You need to balance your omega-3, get it up, and reduce your omega-6. And that will have an anti-inflammatory effect on your lungs, particularly for people with asthma. And again, you will, you will have the right balance of anti-inflammatory by having good bacterial diversity in the gut. So all the things that we're going to be talking about when it comes to flavonoids, beta-carotenoids, and polyphenols, and, and this diversity, this is in your diet, and then we're going to supplement that. So any questions so far? Absolutely. So I was just wondering, where does dairy, nuts, seed come in? Sorry, the easy one. You can go all out when it comes to nuts and seeds, all out, full of magnesium, uh, selenium. You know, I can't say enough good things about them. So full of minerals. It's good for you. Good fats, right? Good fats. Don't be afraid of healthy fats. Everybody gets a bad, gives a bad rep to fats. Vegetable fats, whether it comes from nuts, whether it comes from avocados or coconut, these are generally good, again, in moderation. You just don't want to overdo anything because too much of a good thing can be a problem too. Dairy, I have a problem because... Dairy, even if you're not very sensitive to it, like lactose intolerance and things like that, even if you uh, don't have acid reflux, dairy is mucus promoting, right? So for people with asthma that already produce excess mucus, where they have narrowing in the bronchioles, the airways, you don't want to uh, provoke more uh, secretory. And it's not just secretory in the lung. Secretory, you have secretory cells all over the body, and that's good for you, right? When you have a healthy gut lining, that gut lining produces immunoglobulins and IgA in abundance. You need good secretions in the lungs to keep them clean. The mucus with the ciliary hair, it removes the, the, uh, the particles that need to be eliminated. When you talk about a thyroid hormone or insulin from the pancreas, they need the, those hormones to come through the tubes 
and they need IgA secretory cells. So don't get me wrong, you need the IgA, but you don't need an abundance of them. And, uh, and what happens with uh, dairy is that it's mucus producing. So it's, uh, when it comes to the lungs, we know that it, it, it exacerbates allergies, allergy symptoms, should we say. It will exacerbate uh, the asthma. And in the other endocrine organs, I can't tell you for a fact, but you know, it would make sense that it's just not a, si a good situation. Now, there are people one step worse than that. They have an immunological reaction to dairy, not more uh, specifically the proteins in the dairy. Casein being a protein, mm -hmm. um, whey being a protein. What happens is that for some people, when these proteins are broken down and simulated and enter the bloodstream as casein or, or, or whey, it, when immune systems attack them, and there are multiple reasons for that, then the immune complex and the activation of the immune system through what we call a complement uh, pathway activates like natural killer cells, and that then causes a, a detrimental reaction. And so, so dairy at multiple levels is a really a problem. And for people who are not convinced about what I said, this is the rule of thirds. And you can take it to the bank because not only did I learn it in my medical school, you can be sure that people 50 years ago learned it in medical school and it will never die. The rule of thirds is this. One third of the people will have no problems whatsoever about anything. The second third is the people that have the severe problems, right? They have autoimmune disease. They have lung disease. They, if I'm not careful about my diet, I would the blood pressure and the diabetes and the inflammation. So I'm that one third. There's the third in the middle, the quiet third, the third that complains about symptoms, mm -hmm. but they don't test positive for any disease, so they get sent home saying you're normal. The third that doesn't know any different. It's like I've always had kind of ankles that are weak and you know ligaments that were tight and um, and tennis elbow here and there. One third, nothing happens to them. So whatever I say, you can probably ignore me. You'll be fine. But good luck predicting who you are. Genetics <laughs> can help you. The other third is unfortunate. The people that suffer and the doctor says you're fine. That's not true. That's where doctors like me will listen to the history very closely, have specific testing. We call them functional testing. Get into the root of what you're saying. The food, inflammation, you know, the gut, the gut barrier, the leaky gut. There are metrics for that. Very different to liver enzymes and cholesterol and, and the standard. It's not going to be picked up there. And the third that actually present with autoimmune disease. They present with celiac disease. They present with heart disease. They present with dementia. That's a problem because you don't fix that with just a pill. You've got to find out where those layers were breached from the gut layer to the immune layer to the inflammatory layer. And you've got to go through all those layers if you want to get to that disease to fix it. Yes. So I was just kind of moving on. I was thinking that inevitably we do tend to compromise on on the colored full diet and if we were to take supplements what are we looking at Great. are we looking at omegas are we looking at vitamin d Perfect. what are we looking at when you say supplements very good so let me just uh, go through the food groups very very quickly and then we'll match up with the supplement so the food groups to really think about is the good fats right why because they'll be high in omega-3 and i'm going to talk about supplementing uh so salmon would be great uh you know organic egg yolks would be high in omega-3 you know um even the the plant uh, uh source fats would be good for you right so so that's one food group sardines and uh mackerel and um and salmon they're not only high in omega-3 they actually have antioxidants like selenium in them so that's another good way to look at it so the food groups you cannot go wrong with your diabetic or blood pressure is vegetables, vegetables, vegetables. 
I told you about diversity, but look, in this day and age, if it looks like a vegetable, eat it. Don't worry about which one is higher glycemic, low glycemic, just eat it. Eat as much variety that you'll tolerate. So ones I particularly like, the green leafy vegetables, whether it comes from spinach or, um, or, or, or kale or collard greens, these are rich in folic acid, rich in B12, rich in minerals, fiber, insoluble fiber, good for the microbes. So a lot of, lot of um, uh, positives there, right? So you can't go wrong with greeny vegetables mm -hmm. because we talked about it, quercetins in there, folic acids in there. You've got uh, things that promote nitrates that promote nitric oxide production, can't go wrong. And then I personally like to get my carbohydrates from whole, whole uh, beans and, 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 and lentils. Whole beans, there are, there's a plethora of them. There's a red one, there's a black one, there's a pinto one, there's a white one. And that is also not only good as protein, complex carb, fiber, and antioxidants because of that diversity in color. That's where I get a lot of my uh, complex carbs from. So those are the food groups that we are talking about. But so, you know, instead of uh, thinking about dairy, dairy is not a place where you get vitamin D because if you read the label properly, it says it's fortified with vitamin D. That means I've added the vitamin D. That is not going to be the same. Mm. You could easily get vitamin mm. D3 from the store and it'll be far more powerful, far more uh, effective. And just to debunk the calcium story, vitamin D, the, the milk, three glasses of milk that's been perpetuated were, was debunked by Harvard University almost a decade ago to say that three glasses of milk is not where you get your calcium from. Frankly, you get your calcium from the ground in, in terms of vegetables and nuts and, and things with whole grains, right? And dairy is not, because if you don't feed your cows grass, where are they going to get the minerals from? Where is that calcium going to come from? The answer is, it's not in the milk. You have to get it from vegetables and natural sources that come from the ground. That's the calcium. And you're better uh, able to absorb calcium if you have a good amount of acid in your stomach. A healthy gut system will have good amount of acid. Then you can absorb it. So uh, unrelated, but uh, I just wanted to throw it in there. So wholesome foods in the categories that I said. and now. So where do you get the vitamin D? Well, you know, oily fishes, uh, but the amounts are not that great. And so oily fishes actually have vitamin K in them too. That's great. So I always fish, absolutely. Um, you'll be amazed at uh, studies to show that even sardines, just eating sardines can lower your blood pressure because those amino acids, there are amino acids called citrulline that lower blood pressure. So you can get them from plant sources, animal, the clean animal sources can actually be beneficial for you. Now, supplementation. So the vitamin D is not in your fortified milk. The vitamin D, you can get them from the oily fishes, but vitamin D supports natural killer cells. For people with the regular virus, the flu virus, or the corona, I'm not mm -hmm. saying that you will be able to avoid all viruses, but the regular virus, easy. You take 50,000 or 100,000 for three or four days in a row, you will stop that virus from multiplying, and within 24, 48 hours, that virus is gone. Now, you know, the thing about the whole foods and the things I just told you, that's just a fraction of probably how they work. That's based on what we know now. These whole foods just make the body work in a way that they would be able to help themselves. Now, so vitamin D, um, during an acute attack, you can shorten the duration of the virus by taking super doses, but the maintenance dose is usually for an adult about 5,000 international units of vitamin D3. That's vitamin D, very, very powerful. Now, why do I say about the omega-3s? Not just acutely, you have to build it up in the good uh, foods that are high in omega-3 because they are part of the anti-inflammatory pathway, particularly when you combine them with the antioxidants that I'm about to tell you, that I've told you already in the whole foods and the supplements, they have this synergy 
this omega-3 doesn't work so well in when used by themselves. That's why when they have studies to show that, hey, it reduced heart disease or it didn't reduce heart disease. I just read another article that in cancer patients, they had you know, almost a third less heart attacks because they supplemented with omega-3. Omega, omega and in people with, without cancer, they found that vitamin D actually probably prevented cancer. And then take a probiotic. Now, I, I can't go over the, all the list of which lactobacillus and bifidobacteria uh, right now, but uh, that's why you eat whole foods because you're then using that whole food to nourish the bacteria, almost like a prebiotic. So if you want to take a good bacteria, would say anywhere from 4 billion to 20 billion or more, but uh, things which are spore forming are of benefit. You don't want any level of uh, leaky gut because even the low level allows the outside world, the colon, the toxins to enter the inside world, the bloodstream, and then the immune system temporarily can handle it, but over long term, it's a big problem. So having whole foods, having a probiotic is very, very important. Dr. Habib, this has been uh, truly uh, incredible. It's, um, uh, yes, as you said, this is not just for COVID. It is just to change the lifestyle um, for all ailments to come and prevent. Um, thank you very much. And um, I will speak to you next week. Thank, thank you. you.